Yeah, like we always do with this. Yeah. Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember man, 11 years old when I made it Hello and welcome back to Film Soliloquy The podcast where we trade movies and rate them And the other person has no say over whether or not That movie gets good or bad grade That's the explanation you get nothing else. My name is Jeff. With me is Jason. Hey, hey. What episode? So how? Fourteen. Twelve. No, that's fourteen because we just uh, we just did thirteen, right? Yeah, this episode fourteen. Well, don't forget right? if you're looking at the feed, there's a there's a trailer on there that doesn't count as an episode. I count it. Okay, well, this is episode fourteen then, even though the first episode <laughs> says episode zero. So there's a lost episode way back in the catalog. So uh, what are we, who's going to go first? Who went first last time? Did I go first last time? I think I went first last time. Okay. Because I, I, I did then. Zodiac, right? I did Zodiac. You did first. Zodiac. That's right. Yep. Oh, by the way, spoiler warnings for the two movies that we're going to be reviewing. You can obviously see the names in the description. I'll be reviewing American Gangster. It came out in 2007. Ooh, I forgot it's I gave star- you that. Oh, it's so good. Okay, here we go. Let me tell you whether it's good or not. Don't start trying to put letter grades in here until I give you... <laughs> I ain't going to even know letter grade. It's amazing. Well, I'm going to... Okay. Well, I guess adjectives are fine. <laughs> uh, so I had to watch American Gangster 2007. Uh, it runs for two hours and 37 minutes, which is Jason's calling card. Uh, it stars <laughs> Denzel, Russell Crowe, and I'm going to try to say his name. He played Victor Sweet. His name is Chi Wettel... E G O four and that's <laughs> Jesus. I don't know how to E G Weddle and G O four. I should look up how to say it. it. Stars Josh Brolin. Uh, it also stars like rappers like Common and the RZA from Wu Tang. Uh, they're just uh, uh, what? Who else did I say was in it? Um, the guy that got shot in the street. Why can't I think man. of his name? Huh? Idris Alba. Idris Alba. Yeah, thank you. I couldn't think of his name in my brain. Okay. Don't forget T.I. T.I. is in it. T.I. is in it. Idris Alba. Uh, so let's let's jump in. It's a star study cast. It's directed by Ridley Scott, who directed Alien, which is a movie I really like. Uh, he all, Ridley Scott also directed... Uh, 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 come on. Blade Runner, which I, I'm fine with. Uh, other people yeah. like it more than I do. Yeah. Um, so this movie is based on a true story, uh, and like I did with uh, some of the other movies we did, what was the, uh, golly, my brain, Goodfellas and um, Bohemian Rhapsody, I did go back and do some research, listen and see how accurate this story is, and this, this story is fairly accurate for the most part. There are a couple things that are changed, not a big deal. Anyway, I'm not going to go back on that and touch it again. But I did do research like you asked me to and uh, listen to a podcast about uh, Frank Lucas, who was played by uh, Denzel Washington. And uh, this movie is a gangster movie. It's about his rise to power in the drug game as well as his fall. It's uh, the first two thirds of this movie, maybe even longer, are kind of a story we've all been told before about drug lords coming to power and falling. You've seen it in Scarface. You've seen it in um, The Untouchables. You've seen it 
in what was the other movie? I can't remember, but it's it's a pretty common tale because I guess there's a system to it. You you if you're a drug lord, you only make it so far, and the, and then eventually you're gonna probably have a downfall. Meet, yeah, you'll meet your demise somewhere down the road. Now the big difference here is is that Frank Lucas Denzel Washington is an African American mob boss, and there just weren't of that in those that era, like. Pretty much, it was all Italians, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so it starts off, the first, very first scene, Frank Lucas is setting a guy on fire. Um, and then, like, before the guy even burns for, like, a second or two, he shoots him. So it was, I don't understand the point of setting him on fire, I guess, to freak him out. But, um, and he's with his mob boss guy, what's his name, Bumpy Booper? Yep. Bumpy. Bumpy. With Bumpy, who is the mob boss, is getting older. He has a heart attack, and then uh, Frank Lucas is now in charge of the cartel. One thing that Denzel Washington notices is that really Bumpy wasn't in charge of much. He reported to the Italians, and Denzel Washington says, "I don't want that. I'm going to be the top guy. I'm going to be calling the shots." And he works with a friend or an acquaintance or someone who's over in Vietnam while the Vietnam War is happening and is actually winding down and is able to get pure, like the purest heroin you can get right from the source at a great price. He brings it back to the nation, to the United States through the military uh, by, uh, you know, smuggling it on various things we'll get into later on in the movie because it's a it's a key plot point and he then chops it up kind of reduces the quality of it and then sells it on the street the big thing is is that the quality is only reduced so much it's still better than everybody else's heroin and it's lower in price so it's offering a better product for a lower price right Mm -hmm. i don't even think he chops it up no, he doesn't. I think it's I think it's a hundred percent because even when nope. they did the test, oh no, okay. go back and watch the movie. They chop it up now. Oh well, maybe I'm wrong as what the movie did, but well, I mean, there's it, there's a processing thing where they the act of chopping it up is you know separating into baggies, but it's actually a hundred percent. He doesn't degrade it because what they do, what other uh, you know drug lords do, or other you know distributors or whatnot, they want to spread their product further along so it's kind of like if you buy a bag of cereal right you have like that one bag of fruit loops right but then if you chop it in half and put it in a two bag or you add you know add mixtures of right. other various cereals you can make it stretch longer but he doesn't do that so that would be and again i can't so i listened to that podcast about the real frank lucas and this may be where things are getting mixed up in my brain because uh, the stuff about the real friend, they did chop it and they made it about 40% where um, most of everything else was like 10 to 5%, right? Mm, so gotcha. either way, it, it, the, the point the is, is that he's selling the best on the street. It's called Blue Magic and it's the cheapest on the street. So immediately Frank Lucas is making a ton of cash, right? He is rising quick within the drug game. He needs people he can trust, so he calls his family. He brings in his brothers, uh, maybe some cousins. Like Basically, his cartel is pretty much made up of his loved ones. So this is really the build to power. So uh, he, he's getting um, 
so powerful that the Italian mob bosses are actually having to go to him to buy, you know, this pure stuff and then chop it up and then sell it. So not only is he selling direct to the market, if I can use a, you know, a business term, but he's also (laughs) selling to middlemen who are supplying. So he's just hand over fist, right? And you would think that he's going to have some problem with mob bosses. He really doesn't so much. But one thing they establish is that Frank Lucas has no problem killing people. So there's a guy that I'm not, the Idris Alba character, I'm not totally sure on their relationship, uh, but it felt like Idris Alba was pushing um, Frank Lucas for money or like a percentage that was, uh, that, Frank Lucas describes, if I gave you that percentage, I wouldn't be a good businessman because I would be taking a loss. I can't do that. Anyway, Frank Lucas eventually has enough. And when he's got his family, like he's first got them in and he's kind of introducing them to this heroin dealing life, he sees uh, Idris Alba on the street. He just goes up to Idris Alba, like confronts him about getting his money back because I think Idris was like selling stuff for him, but Idris didn't give the money like the way they said it in the podcast, because this actually happened, was that he knew he wasn't going to get the money back, but it was giving him an excuse to kill the guy. And he kills him in an open street in front of everyone, a la the Mercer brothers yelling their name at a basketball court and snitches get snitches, <laughs> right? And, but this actually happened. He shot this dude in the streets uh, in front of a bunch of people, but nobody said anything. Um so one of the things, there's like a, a moment where uh, the guy's name I can't pronounce and I butcher comes in and it's his brother and he's wearing like this really flashy suit. It, it's got a big collar. It, it, he's looking dope, right? He's got a cold chain. Mm-hmm. He's got, you know, he he's, he's he looks like he's about game. to be on an episode of Soul Train for sure. There you go. And he's, he's obviously making money and he's spending it on flashy suits and, uh, this upsets Frank Lucas because Frank Lucas says, you know, you stand out like a sore thumb. You need to dress like everyone else. You know, Frank Lucas always wears nice suits, but not too nice, right? They're not purple. They're brown and grays and just business suits, right? Uh, and he just kind of establishes you don't want to stand out. So one of the reasons that the, so the whole time Russell Crowe is leading a task force to catch whoever's dealing this blue magic. They find blue magic. They assume it's coming from one of the Italian drug cartels, um, but they've got some people and they move them around and never does Frank Lucas's name come up, at least early on in the movie, because Frank Lucas does stay below the radar. He's not trying to get his name out there. Um, So for the longest time, this task force never knows that he's out there slinging and he's the actual source of these drugs. Uh, so what happens is he starts to make some pretty big friends. He's actually friends with Joe, not Joe Frazier. Um, help me out. Joe Lewis. He's friends with Joe Lewis, who's a famous boxer. Um, and he ends up meeting his wife through Joe Lewis and... Uh, so anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. So Joe Lewis actually brings him to a boxing match, which is the, the one of the most famous boxing matches, which is Muhammad Ali versus Smoking Joe Frazier. And, you know, Joe Frazier gets introduced to uh, 
Frank Lucas. Frank Lucas is wearing this like mink, this gaudy outfit, this huge fur coat. You would, you're like, picture what you think a pimp would wear in the seventies. That's what he's wearing. He's wearing that with a big fur hat and he's sticking out like a sore thumb. He's breaking the rule that he set for his brother. And this uh, gets him noticed by Russell Crowe and they start investigating and they start tracking down, Hey, this yeah, guy, not only that, not only that, he's actually sitting in front of like the Italian mob bosses. They have a, he has a closer seat to the ring than the other people. And that right. really brings a huge attention to himself. Yeah, exactly. Like who, who's this guy? Who's a, so one of the guys that they run into is like a police. Uh, there's a lot of dirty police in this movie. And one of them is played by Josh Brolin. Who's a police. Who's one of the policemen in New York city. Most of this stuff is happening in New Jersey. And, you get introduced to this character because Russell Crowe runs into him and he's kind of a jerk and he's a really dirty cop. Uh, but he's at the same fight and he's like, why does that guy have better seats than why does Frank Lucas have better seats than me? And you know, it's basically because Frank Lucas is a big time gangster in the drug trade in New Jersey. Um, trying to think of how this all, okay. So, I'm going to be skipping tons of details because there's a relationship with his wife that's happening. Um, there's some some other family stuff. He he buys a house for his mom, so his mom's living there. But she knows something fishy's going on because he's bought this huge house and never really talks about been, what he does. And he's been gone for years. He hasn't seen his family in quite some time because even when he calls in, uh, everyone screams, Frank's on the phone, Frank's on the phone. She gets all excited, jump towards the phone. His brother's excited he's hearing from him. And that sets up before they even see the big house. Right. And he's really well loved within his family. And his mom says, you know, all these boys look up to you. Uh, And even one of the things they establish is that T.I. is the son of Common, uh, who T.I. is a baseball uh, prospect who has got a killer arm, you know. And there's a point where Frank Lucas asked him, hey, How's baseball going? He goes, oh, I'm not worried about that. I want to be like you, Uncle Frank. And so now there's this moment where you can see Frank Lucas is like, uh, do I really want this nephew of mine in the business or, you know, what's kind of going about that? But one of um, someone in his group gets caught. They're like, because Russell Crowe's out staking houses and he gets caught. Like his girlfriend and him, this guy, I don't know his name. He's ancillary character. They get in a fight and his girlfriend or wife runs outside and he chases after her and just shoots her in the street. Well, unlike Frank Lucas, he doesn't get away with it. They they bust him, grab him, and they know he's part of Frank Lucas's cartel. They say, hey, you know, we could give you a plea deal, you know, but it's going to be pretty obvious to, to Frank that you've cut a deal and it's going to be look bad for you. So let's do something else. Wear a wire and get us some information. So they find out that there's going to be a huge deal happening from this military flight that's coming in. Uh, and they go there. So uh, Russell Crowe gets a, uh, what do you call it? A search warrant. He shows up at the uh, the, ha- uh, the hangar and flashes the search warrant around. They're like, okay, you can search. So they start searching. But then, and this is like one of the more messed up parts, right? They start 
he's wanting to search the corpses of fallen soldiers and search in their caskets. And they don't find anything, but that's like one of the, there ends up being a huge fight. He runs into this real racist guy, like super racist, like KKK racist. Um, but it's just kind of happens real quick. Anyway, there, his boss, uh, Russell Crowe's boss is like, you, you need to be right about this one. You can't be wrong about this one. Cause we cannot search fallen soldiers, caskets and desecrate their bodies to look for these drugs. And if we do, the drugs need to be there. They don't find any drugs, but they continue to stake out. Turns out the drugs are in a hidden compartment in those caskets that they end up opening and pulling the drugs out. So they follow these drug folks uh, to... So, okay, up until this point, it's pretty much like your normal cartel movie. Like, if you've seen a gangster movie... You kind of been through this. They right? got you know businesses. I mean? Would you agree with that, Jason? Oh yeah, they got businesses upon businesses. Right. Like we, I've seen this before. So far, okay, this is fun. It's well acted. You hit this third act, and it picks up fast. The one of the final sequences is the they're raiding this drug den, right? And it's so intense and it's really quiet for like the first half. They're being as sneaky as possible and they've got these guards. So the RZA, he is, uh, so the RZA is uh, from Wu-Tang Clan is one of the uh, men that works with Russell Crowe and he decides to distract them to by pretending to be a junkie and hobbles in there and they kind of sneak in and they get in all stealth like and then it just goes down people are shooting drugs are going everywhere so one of the things that frank lucas does he has these women working and chopping up the drugs and he doesn't let them wear clothes because he doesn't want to have them steal anything so there's naked women running around there's drugs flying in the air there's a huge shootout it's awesome right it's my favorite part of the movie what would you agree oh yes I kind of equate it to like they're in the project. You have to go multiple flights of stairs and there's shootouts on almost every flight of stairs trying to get to the top. It's amazing, man. It's a really good, really good sequence. Uh, So they end up busting this den. They shut it down. Frank Lucas gets a call. He's in church with his mom. He steps outside. There's cops around the block and standing right in front of the front door is Russell Crowe. They arrest Frank Lucas and they kind of get so Frank Lucas is looking at life, basically, like 70 years or so. He ends up getting 70 years, but it gets reduced. Um, but the reason it gets reduced is because Frank, uh, not Frank Lucas, excuse me, Russell Crowe is saying, hey, give me more names. Let's cut you a plea deal. And well, he's like, I can give you Italians, like these gangster Italians. And he's like, well, I mean, I'll take them. But what he really wants are the dirty cops. And so this leads to a huge purge of the police department and the FBI and the, um, who else was it? DEA, maybe like all these departments have a bunch of dirty money with dirty cops. And this leads to a huge bust of all of them. They shut it down. Uh, one of the things they establish about Russell Crowe is that he's a really honest cop, right? He, early in the movie, he finds a million unmarked bills, a uh, million dollars in unmarked bills, and he gives it back, right? And he actually gets side-eyed by all of his dirty companions, and even his partner, you know, doesn't like it. Oh, yeah. They basically, they crucify their relationship. Like, basically, there's so many dirty cops out there, and 
they now they they don't trust him at all. Uh, they won't work with him. They won't work on any cases. And his uh, his his partner of a cop uh, just couldn't cut anymore. I mean, he even goes off the deep and he starts doing drugs. He can't do any work. Um, he ends up fleeing. I forgot what he shot some somewhere in the film. He actually goes to go buy drugs and uh, he ends up killing the drug dealer and then tries to plant a gun on him. And uh, you remember that scene where they're taking him out on a gurney, pretending he's alive because that's the only way they can get out in that situation in the yeah, projects. They're uh, trying to get out of this 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 apartment building alive, where uh, he's uh, Russell Crowe's partner has killed someone, and they're in hostile territory. So they have him patch up this dead guy to make him look like he's still alive, and they're trying to save his life, and that is able to get them out of there. But the junkie ends up dying. The the junkie cop. I can't remember how he dies, probably got stabbed or murdered, whatever. Um, and so we really get down to the final scenes in the movie are um, this plea deal where they're working together to bust all these cops. Um, there's a really great scene between Russell Crowe and uh, uh, Denzel Washington where they're negotiating whether or not he's going to, you know, turn over on these dirty cops. And that's a really great piece of acting in the movie. Uh, you get your usual with these true stories, you get your usual, what happened to them now sort of things. And uh, you find that Frank Lucas gets off early because his defense attorney ends up being Russell Crowe and movies over basically at that point. And it was, it was well written. It was well shot, well directed by Ridley Scott. Every aspect of that movie was, it was, it was great, man. It was, it was a great piece of film, in my honest opinion. So it's pretty good. Um, it, like I said early on, I've seen this movie before, right? Uh, Untouchables, Goodfellas. There's a hundred of these movies. The the last like third of the movie, maybe, maybe even less, because the movie's so long. Um, is when it really kicks up and uh, the, there's a payoff for how long it takes to kind of get there. And it's not boring by any means, um, but it just, it moves kind of slow. Um, now, one thing that should be said is I've, you, you, Denzel Washington is known for saying, my man. And you know, <laughs> um, Al Pacino, like I didn't know where hua came from until I saw uh, that uh, scent of a woman. Mm-hmm on this show and now I've seen this and I know where my man comes from because he says it all the time and uh you know when no one says it like Denzel. Yep. I'm man. So uh <laughs> my letter grade boy I am waffling here because it's good. It's not great. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't have like at the end of the day I didn't care about the characters that much. Like there was no one I really was like, oh, I hope they don't die. Yeah, you know, I didn't care. Mostly bad people with Russell Crowe even as like a bad husband and a bad father. But um, the acting's really good. That the There aren't that many action sequences until you get to the very end, which is superb. Um, and then that, that final acting sequence between Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe is really good. Uh, this is a, a high... B plus, almost the A minus, but I'm going to say B plus. Okay. B plus. What I really liked too is um, when I was doing some research about the film, 
uh, a lot of the stuff that you see in the film is interpreted and filmed as if it really happened, which it really did. One thing that mm -hmm. uh, during the interviews that I read about from Frank Lucas, he refuses to admit that the drugs were were in the caskets of uh, fallen soldiers from Vietnam. He he say he claims that isn't true, uh, but mm -hmm. all the evidence I think in court cases contradict so, that. <laughs> but well, I just don't the think he wants to. Podcast I listen to. <laughs> he doesn't admit it. Uh, the the podcast I listened to was the podcast podcast called Kingpins, and it was a two parter about Frank Lucas, and they kind of established that the real Frank Lucas is known to embellish. Uh, so there's kind of questions about that, but pretty much everything in this movie was at least taken from those stories, be they, you know, embellished or otherwise. Um, they were at least pulled from that source, and um, so. There's pretty good integrity about the film trying to stick to that. Obviously, some things change, um, but most of them don't really matter. Like the big thing is um, they had like he was um, Russell Crowe was the prosecutor in the trial. That wasn't the case. You know, you wouldn't have the investigating police officer also be the prosecutor, I think. I don't even think that's allowed, but who knows back in whatever year this was. Yeah. And then he actually ended up passing the bar. So then like one of his first case, one of his first clients, when he stopped being um, a detective um, in narcotics division, he ended up being a def defense, defense attorney. And one of his first clients was Frank Lucas. So mm -hmm. I think during his appeals yeah. process or something like that. So, so it was great. What would you give a, a American gangster? A B plus. Shut the Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm setting myself up for you to just bury my movie now. I ain't gonna bury it, man. <clears throat> so the movie you gave me is that thing you do. I'll go ahead and let you know that I watched it and I sat on the couch. My wife was watching it too. And uh yeah, then it ended. <laughs> Nonsense. Great review. What's your letter grade? <laughs> no, nah, so that thing you do is written and directed by Tom Hanks. That was a shock to me. It was like his name popping up in the in the beginning. You know, it's not a credit, like mm -hmm. a rolling credit, but you know, like those shots. It's it's cool. Like I never would have expected that. And uh Tom Hanks is actually in the film. He actually ended up being one of the the secondary, like the second manager of this group, uh the Wonders. And um, this is actually has uh, Tom Everett Scott, who plays Guy pa uh, Patterson. Uh, he is the pretty much the, the lead actor in this film. It follows his his path to success uh, during the whole time. It also has Liv Tyler, uh, Steve Zahn, uh, of course, Tom Hanks, Charlize Theron. Um, and something like there's there's these actors, right? I know their faces, but I don't know their names. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of those people in there. And there was the guy that was in the office. Yep. The he he played no he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He I'm wasn't thinking of another movie. How uh, I watched Dewey Cox right after watching this, and they're bleeding together. <laughs> <sighs> Go ahead. So I mean, what this movie is, I'll give you a quick synopsis. It's basically a a rock band that's formed uh, in the beginning, like during the success of like the Beatles. So this is like the 1960. I think it's 1964. And um, sure. What's uh it it follows the the act it follows the guy Patterson who is a son of a local appliance store owner, um 
<clears throat> during that time. It, one thing I kind of like is <laughs> his dad always knows his son messes up. Like he knows he's not going to turn off the the sign for the front <laughs> for the front of their store. Mm -hmm. So like even before he like he, when he's he's calling the son, he goes, "Hey, turn off that damn sign." And then he wakes up in the middle of the <laughs> night. He doesn't have to drive to the store. Like, oh man, let my son. Let, let, let it burn. <laughs> yeah, <waste laughs> son, let it burn. <laughs> so. It is cool, man. Like, uh, so it follows. It follows them, and he it shows guy like during his off time when he's not helping his dad at his his uh, family run store. It shows him, you know, uh, using the drum sets, and you can see that he's really, really talented. And he has a group of friends who are like to who are like in talent competitions to try to start up their band. And one of their idiot friends in Africa. Damn, I don't know the actor's name, but he's trying to jump meter post, uh, the place where you put, you know, quarters and dimes or whatever in a meter for your parking meter. And he's trying to lunge them, lunge over them, and he falls and breaks his arm. <laughs> so that's how Guy <laughs> Patterson gets into the band. And so they end up going and doing this talent show and they playing a, a song that's written by the lead singer of the band. And what's that character's name? I forgot the character's name. Um... It's a uh, Faye's boyfriend. I think the character's name. He's is... got a punchable face. Yeah, he is punchable face. Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. It's paid yeah. by Jonathan. I repass his last name. He does a great job, though. Yeah. I really hated him. You know what's funny? And I'll go. I mean, again, this is a spoiler review. You know what's funny? In the very beginning, like it shows him, like he's kind of like a likable guy, right? It shows when he's singing. It's it appears that he's singing towards his girlfriend, who's Liv Tyler. Mm -hmm. And, but at the same time, I'm like, he's gonna break up the band. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like I knew it. <laughs> well, rewatch it, and there are little breadcrumbs all the way through, though. Yeah. So like, he's really not. He's like playing that part, you know. And they even explain that towards the end of the movie. Anyway. Yeah. There's 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 plenty of where they're talking music, and you can see he's glazed over. They record a big song and then he talks about how much he wants to re-record the b-side and you know like there it's littered throughout it's not a total you know left turn but go ahead yeah and one thing i really hate about that damn character in this film is that he gets pretty much everything he wants yet he still quits the damn band you know what i mean he's getting tours he was complaining the whole time. They goes, "Hey man, I'm, uh, it's great that we're getting all this publicity. We're in film. We're on TV. We have record. We're on the radio. We're climbing the Billboard Top 100. We're climbing. We're like a top. We're in the top ten. Like I, I even think they hit like number seven on the Billboard. And his main complaint is like, yeah, that's great. We're doing all this, but I want to record another record. You know, that's what bands do. We need to keep recording records. And Tom Hanks like teaching the Shrimp Shack shooters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like they're on the beach recording that music video anyway so like tom hanks tells them like listen man we gotta make these tours first we gotta get your name out there and this, this shit is working you're climbing the top 100 everyone knows you that everyone wants to be with you they want to scream your your band's name and then he has the opportunity he goes all right guys you done hit it it's perfect we got this recording studio i picture like p diddy like like uh, Dave Chappelle when he makes that skit. All right, guys, we open up the studio. So they open up the studio. What does this bitch ass do? <laughs> Quit. Like, what the fuck? I don't understand it. That's one thing that irked me, dude. He finally got what he wanted. He's going to record another. No, he didn't, though. But he, uh, uh, so frustrating. So they, 
we're jumping right to the end, but they made him record covers of other band songs. And then he said, you can record something new, but I need something snappy. None of this lover's lament crap, mm-hmm. which is he wants to write slower ballads and stuff, but whatever. Asshole. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> that just pissed me off. Did like, we mention he's dating Liv Tyler, you know? Like, yeah, he's dating. He's got it all. Yeah, dating Liv Tyler, not really in love with her. Anyway, so it's the, the story really isn't about him. It's this following guy. And one thing that I, I like in the movie, like that song, that thing you do, it's pretty catchy, man. Like at first it was like this slow down tone and it shows the type of tone that he wants to set, like the pace of song that he has. Is uh, but guy makes it up because he's the if you think about it, if the percussion of the group they set the beat right, they're the heartbeat right. of your group. Like the like how fast he hits those drums does the pace of the song. They, he's basically the heart of you know the heart of the entire group, and I guess the lead singer could be the soul or whatever. But anyway, yeah. so I love to hear percussion. <laughs> inside joke. Anyway, so <laughs> the guy does the beat faster so that's what gets the it's popular because it's a fast song and something nice catchy tune to dance to i enjoyed it i enjoyed listening to it the first two times not the 50 <laughs> <laughs> not when they repeat that freaking song 15 goddamn times in this movie like i'm tired of hearing it man you're not I- exaggerating it's in there a lot <laughs> And I was like, you know what? I kind of, I kind of side with Jimmy. Make a new damn record, bro, because I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing this damn song. <laughs> anyway, it's it, it's cool, man. It's I, I like the the rise, you can say, and then the inevitable fall of the group because they end up breaking up. Uh, I know I'm skipping towards the very end of the film, but. Uh, Jimmy actually makes a new band with the same label. Uh, they end up making like three golden records, uh, selling a lot. Uh, guy ends up being a uh, a jazz uh, a jazz band instructor, guy. I guess. He does jazz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the the people all in the group they they end up living uh, looks I guess kick ass lives, right? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, man, it's it it's cool. I like this film. I know. I... And so and so, guy ends up with Liv Tyler. Yes. So the love interest. Right. So guy was dating uh, Charlize Theron. Oh damn! How did I forget about this? Guy is dating Charlize yeah. Theron, and Charlize they seem like they're in love, kinda. Um, he's into her. She's into him. But uh, it's she's always doing her makeup. She seems like she's always trying to be the prettiest woman in, in the club or the restaurant or whatever. And, uh, she seems somewhat interested on his, on, on his interests of being in a band. Uh, she shows up to his band and all that stuff. But one thing that just, it takes a quick left turn is that she ends up going to the dentist and she falls in love with her dentist. <laughs> like he's just, he's this beefcake dreamy looking quarterback. looking dude. is a, beefcake like he really is like a dream boat i've never seen a dentist like him in my life did he look like he could take your molar with his two fingers like his thumb and his index finger pop that thing right out no anesthesia nothing and you'll fall in love with this dude uh i mean he looks like the tom brady replica mouth you know what i mean that's, <laughs> that's another inside joke <laughs> so she she falls in love with him and you know they break up um and then so that's why he 
he is available to date and he sees that Liv Tyler is not being treated very, very great by Jimmy. And towards the end of the film, when he has his his breakdown and he's you know, being a douchebag of the group, uh, he ends up confessing to her that he never really loved her, uh, that he should have broke up with her back in Philly or wherever state yeah. what city he was talking about. Pittsburgh. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. And then so that's why that love interest came about. The one guy I really like in the film too is the the hotel owner in California. <laughs> that dude was funny. Like uh, setting uh, set- this is my hotel. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy. I'll say one thing at the. I'm going to tell you one bad thing about this movie. The thing I hate the most because I really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I hate, and it's the last shot of the movie when Guy and Liv Tyler are walking back in. And in the whole movie, no one looks into the camera, but this hotel owner looks into the camera knowingly, makes eye contact with the camera, and it cuts to black. I, I hate that. Oh, where they no break that fourth, for, they break that fourth wall, kind of a thing, for no reason. Yeah, I, it just that me. But that's the only thing I would have negative to say about the movie. That and they do play the, that thing you do over and over and over. Dude, again. they play the hell out. They I, they outplayed that shit. <laughs> I mean, what what I, did you think of Steve Zahn's character? Steve Zahn, who's that? That was the um, other guitarist in the band. The one who dated the girl and married oh, her in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that movie that he was in with Martin Lawrence, where he was a cop. That guy. Oh, uh, something security. Something. Like yeah, that. National security. yeah, National Security. Yeah, National Security. Yeah, I man. really like him in this movie when he's playing cards. He's playing Go Fish with like some old Italian guys. <laughs> yeah. He's like, got any threes? threes? <laughs> he just I, and it, he's so funny, man. He, he's he's a uh, great supporting act, like the great supporting oh, yeah. actor in this film for sure. Yeah, he, he's the comic relief. Like he gets mm-hmm. um, they're doing a radio interview, and so they were in that movie, and um. Uh, they were playing a band in the movie called Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. And in case, uh, you know, who who musically inspired you? And everybody gives their serious answer and it comes to him. He goes, Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Yeah, and Tom Hanks gives him that dirty look like, what the hell are yeah. you doing, man? <laughs> uh, you know, one thing, oh, one thing I kind of like where they set the character of uh, Guy is how um, they kind of give him like a, a like a test, right? So right. he has his his manager, who's the uh, the killer in Zodiac, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good comparison. <laughs> yeah. He's the killer in Zodiac. He's that actor, right? So he. That's uh, what. Oh yeah, let me say this real quick. So I thought someone was gonna die in this film. I didn't think it was gonna be like hold up me that. Like when I saw the Zodiac killer, and he's like, "Hey man, come into my office," and he's like the back of an RV. <laughs> I thought he was gonna murder this dude. I thought he was gonna. I thought he was gonna murder. This. I'm a mercy kill this zombie. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he ends up. He knows that uh, the current manager is only good for that state. Like uh, he can't broaden because he doesn't have that type of pull. So he actually recruits and gets Tom Hank to be the new manager. And guys, like, nah, so, man, we want you. And he's like, well, I need to talk about before we make this change. I need to talk it over the group first. That kind of shows the guy, uh, the guy that guy is. <laughs> yeah, he's the smart one. Yeah, he's the smart one. And what, he's, what that he's, relationship he's is, is that the whole yeah. time in the movie. 
I think what that relationship is, is that he has this original local manager and when they sign with the record label and he, he takes off into the sunset because the record label is now going to manage him. Uh, I'm pretty sure that manager got a nice fat bonus. Oh, for sure. Advance. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So. Cause he, they're contractually obligated to stay with him and for the break the contract, yeah. I'm sure it'd be tons of money. And Tom Hanks knows that they're going to make tons of money off of this group, which, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, man, that that pretty much it. Uh, well, yeah, man, you got anything else to add before I give it this letter grade, dude? No, I've said my piece. You covered it. I really like Steve Zahn, and I, I I put this movie on every once in a while. I enjoy it. Cool, C plus. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna follow my rule. Not tell you what it deserves. Because, <laughs> yeah, that, a, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually looking at the grading scale right that we have. Where you we don't have, have established, to explain yourself. I'm not explaining shit. I'm looking <laughs> at, it. <laughs> and it is not better to me than Captain Marvel or Mortal Kombat or Doctor Strange. Anyway, it's a C plus, but it, it is what it is. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Like like we always say on Film Soliloquy, we we rate. I mean, American Gangster is a B-plus movie, right? And that's a phenomenal movie. But we tend... it. We're tough. We are st- we don't like to give away A's easily. It has to earn it, right? Mm-hmm. You would agree with that? Absolutely. So now, it's everyone's favorite part of the show. What are we going to be watching next week? Um, I'm going to go first, because I think you went first last time, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And I'm okay. still, I'm still on the fence. I might have to toss a, a coin here to pick one. Yeah. So JB, before we started recording, was trying to pick a movie, and he's throwing two around. So let me give you my movie, and see how you feel. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know me, I love to undersell these movies and make you afraid to watch it. So uh, <laughs> our good buddy from Budget Arcade, Scott, had reminded me I'd seen this movie and wondered if you had. And you have not. So I don't know if that terrifies you or not because of City of Lost Children. Just the name Scott terrifies me when it comes to movies. This dude. Okay. Look what he look what he he butchered John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, dude. but golly, what he did to that movie and then made us watch that terror. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, well, we'll never get over that. We're scarred for life. Uh, but the reason I picked this movie is because it stars. You ready for this? Uh-huh. It stars Denzel Washington oh. and Russell Crowe. Dang, what you giving me? American Gangster? American? <laughs> no. It came out. It was a sequel. Let, let, me, uh, let me pull it up. It came out here in 1995. Uh, my IMDb is loading. It was directed by someone named Brett Leonard. No idea who that is. Um, but again, it stars Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington. This is the first movie I've ever seen Russell Crowe in. Hmm. Um, and it is the most nineties movie it's, it was made in the nineties, but it happens in the future. So it kind of has that retro futuristic feel, Mm -hmm. uh, think like demolition man. Oh, and I think I would compare this movie as like a, I don't know if, I don't think you've ever seen Johnny Mnemonic. Um, no. with I know Keanu. Keanu Reeves. Uh, it, but it's like that matched with the plot of Demolition Man all kind of mushed together. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it all, I was saying maybe the lawn, you've seen Lawnmower Man, the Stephen King movie? No. Yeah, well, okay, I was a anyway, kid, I was terrified to watch it, I think. It's got the most 90s CG. I, I'm really looking forward to you to watch it. You're going to be watching the movie Virtuosity. Virtuosity. I think I remember seeing that movie post when I was a kid next to the Lawnmower Man. Mm-hmm. It's in the same vein. It deals with virtual reality and stuff. Like what they think virtuality would be in our day, you know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun to see older movies get the future wrong. Gotcha. But it's it's entertaining. Okay. Russell Crowe is so good in this movie. Cool. All right. Well, I flipped my coin. Well, actually, I didn't really flip a coin. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hit you with the my favorite genre that I like even more than action not, films. Not another gangster movie. I like this probably okay. just as much as gangster movies. This is definitely a romantic comedy. I haven't hit you <laughs> with a romantic comedy in so long. And yeah, I guess... Scent of a woman, probably. That's not even a... That's, is that even, yeah, that's, dude, not, that's, just, that's just dramatic. Yeah, you're man. right. Man, yeah, you're right. I haven't hit you it's with a rom-com. It's the name that always tricks me. I don't think I just I haven't hit you with a rom com since I've made you watch Mean Girls or something. <laughs> I don't Which think is, that's even a rom com. It's romantic. But go ahead. Anyway, G- give so, me the rundown. Sell me this movie. So this movie is amazing. So I was kind of saying that you're either gonna love it or hate it. It's, there's no in between, man. I know uh, Maria hates this movie. The reason being is because I watched this thing too many times. <laughs> I even the, the 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 song that appears just as much as that thing you do in the film you just made me watch. You're gonna hear this song over and over and over again. I made it my ringtone. Maria played it. She hated. It. Anyway, it's it has uh has Megan Good, has Regina Who? Hall, has Terrence Terrence J, has Taraja P Henson, has Gabrielle Union, has Kevin Hart, and has my man Steve Harvey. And it has okay. the dude. It has the dude Jay from um from Forty Year Old Version. I love that dude. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a pretty great cast, man. And it's only a hundred and twenty two minutes. So I know you'll. Appreciate oh, look that. at that! Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna watch it twice. Uh huh. So yeah, man, you're gonna be watching. Think like a man. Think like a man. Yep. For it, I don't even know that you've ever mentioned this movie to me as much as you've watched it. Yeah, well, I kind of keep it close to the chest. There might be a lot of, uh, I like the way you do business kind of references I'll pick up. <laughs> yeah, it's when you start watching me, oh, this is where Jason. Yeah, uh, that's uh, what I'm hoping. Uh-huh. But yeah, uh, well, actually, that... Steve Harvey wrote the book, uh, Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man, and this is what this movie is based off of. It's Steve Harvey's book. Did it act like a man or think like a man? So the movie is called Think Like a Man. The Steve Harvey book that he wrote um, in 2009 that the movie is based off of is the, the book is called Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. So the book was made in 2009 and this movie was made in 2012. So three years after the movie was made. Well, three years after the book was written, the movie was made. So Gotcha. All and right. there's a well, sequel will... to this movie, um, which... I'm not going to make you watch because I hated it. <laughs> There's a sequel? Oh, okay, good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is a sequel. Yeah, I, I promise to never make you watch another Psycho sequel. And I'm, I'm saying specifically sequel 
because in my back pocket is the 1998 remake, which is technically not a sequel. Uh, so that's going to be our movies for next week. Be sure to follow the show at Film Soliloquy on Twitter. Uh, our music is provided to us by Sir Flame. He's on Twitter and Instagram at Set It On Flame. And of course, you can listen to his music anywhere you stream music. Any last words? We'll see y'all next week with our bonus episode. Oh, right. Keep your feeds locked here. Lord help us. It's time for me to pay. Uh, you know, I lost the bet and I'm an honest man. And now I have to watch The Hangover Part 3, which I hate The Hangover, the original, and I've never seen the second one. So this is going to be a, a, a thought experiment. Yeah. And I might be insane afterwards, so keep an eye on the feed for that. Uh, but we'll see you yeah. then. Uh, and this is Film Soliloquy. Yeah, like we always do it this time. I go for mine and made plans for yours, cause I got the shine. Go bar for bar, go line for line, like Kobe in 99. I'm so close to prime. Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind. We living in a moment, there's no post to buy. You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign? The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb. I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go. Up in Fairville, I related to cold. Fresh bubble jacket, shit, I hated the cold. But when winter come around, we would play in the snow. They had enough North Sway, so I made it.